Hi guys, welcome back to Infinite Possibilities, the podcast where we explore the lives of amazing people, their choices, challenges and opportunities. And today I have a very special guest, Dom. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Karen. Thanks for being here, Dom. So, Dom, what do you do to give your one minute introduction? Um, oh, right now I'm uh, working at KPMG, I'm a technology risk consultant. Um, back in the day I used to be a professional tennis player. I went down the college route um, and played some professional tournaments and got my ranking up. Um, I've switched sports and so now I play paddle for Australia, which is a, a new kind of thing and I do that while working full time at KPMG. Yeah, that's amazing and that's really hard to juggle both. So we're really going to explore and dig into that a bit. Mm. But first we want to go right from the beginning. So we want to know, Dom, what kind of child were you like growing up? <laughs> that's a good question. Um, growing up, I remember I used to be very quiet. I was, I was very introverted. Um, at, at school, or no, before school, I know my mum, she used to be like, oh, you're such a good kid, so quiet. You helped your brother and sister, you know. Perfect child. Yeah, I was... I was what happened? Yeah, I know. Yeah, she literally said, you were like such the best child out of everyone. Um, and then... In high school, I remember like super introverted and I just like observing people. Um, and I was in like, I guess I was in the cool group, but oh. um, I was more like the sporty guy. So like on the weekends when they were, you know, hanging out, doing whatever they do, I was like playing tournaments, tennis tournaments and all the sports. I was just super into my sports. Um, but it's kind of weird, like over time, um, my personality's changed and I've gone from an introvert to college, I became an extrovert because it's something I wanted to actually work on. And um, so you put yourself in these social situations and I was like, all right, I want to like talk more and make more jokes. <laughs> um, and over time, I became more introvert, extroverted um, and now it's gone back. So now I'm like a 50-50 mix, I'd oh, say. Best of both worlds. Yeah, huh. I guess so. Introverted, yeah. extrovert. <laughs> and tell me more about school. So you were super sporty. Were you academic? Were you the... You weren't the class jokester because you were pretty <laughs> introverted then. Yeah, no, I wasn't the jokester. Um, <laughs> I was... Yeah, so I was pretty sporty. Always loved sports class. Um, that's kind of where I thrived. Even though, like, I was an introvert, like, sports kind of brings out, like, this more confident alter ego that I got. And I just make jokes and get everyone involved. Um, but I was also very academic, so like I was very, um, I still am very like intrinsically motivated. So I'd be um, studying, you know, on the weekends um, after school just to get my grades up, and it really gave me like um, self satisfaction getting those good grades back. And although I was in the cool group, it was like not cool to study. Yes, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just what I did, and um, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of a nerd, sporty nerd. Sporty maybe that's the best way to describe it. Both worlds, yeah. but still cool. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Cool. And just wondering, how many siblings do you have? Um, I have a brother and sister, and um, my sister Gabby. She is four years younger than me, so she's the youngest. And then I have a brother. His name's Alex. He's two years younger than me, so we're spread out oh. two years, two years. So you're like the older, responsible brother. Yes, exactly that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, that's cool. And so when you were thinking about the career, mm. you know, for yourself in the future, what was sort of floating through your mind? Um, 
So when I started playing tennis, like pretty seriously, you'd have these goal setting sessions with your coaches and your parents. And I think everyone says, oh, I want to be like professional tennis player, number one in the world. But I don't know if I actually believe that back then. Like I think it was just what everyone said. So you just say it. And I don't know if I really had motivation to be a professional tennis player, but that's kind of like what I said. Um, At one stage, I think when I was 16, my parents, they organised one of those personality tests to see what kind of jobs you'd be suited for. And it's pretty funny. I think um, the results were you're suited for something outdoors. You love outdoors. You love nature. Um, Stay away from corporate office jobs. Um, And I was like, at the time, I was like, yeah, I see that. I love being outdoors. Um, But now um, now I'm working (laughs) in this office job, nine to five, and I I really enjoy it. (laughs) Um, but I think that's what matches back to the personality change, like your personality changes over time. So maybe back when I was 16, I was suited for um, like an outdoor job, maybe playing tennis or a tennis yeah. coach. But now um, I like the office job. I, I love just being in an air con. <laughs> it's so comfortable rather than being yeah. out in like like 40 degree days, just like feeding balls or hitting balls. Yeah. It's, it's pretty nice. Yeah, that's cool. And so often you live like two lives, right? There was Dom 1.0 and then there's like Dom 2.0. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've evolved, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's cool. And just wondering, so like how did you sort of first get into tennis? Was that your favourite of all the sports when you were first introduced or? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. So from what my dad told me, he said when I was really young, I think when I was one or two and there's some video of it, um, he gave me a skittle and he'd roll me like balls yeah. and I'd be just sitting on the ground like couldn't even walk yet and I'd just be hitting the balls with the oh. skittle and I think that's how I developed my hand-eye coordination yeah. um, over time I guess um, that's developed and I got into tennis soccer mm-hmm. and baseball t-ball oh. baseball t-ball back in the days yeah. when you were young and I was really good at all three of them and I was playing them a couple times a week. And I think when I was 13, it came to that point and be like, all right, like probably want to choose a sport to pursue. And I made the tough decision to pursue tennis. Might not have been the right decision um, because soccer players, they make a lot of money. (laughs) And it doesn't matter, like there's so many divisions, so many players like, and baseball as well, so many players. Um, the difference with tennis is that you have to be like top 100 in the world to make a living. Yeah. And that's like the top 0.0001%. It's like, it's easy to be a rocket scientist. There's more rocket yeah. scientists in the world than there is to be a tennis player. But yeah, when I was 13, um, I made the decision to pursue tennis, maybe because I was a little bit better at tennis than the other sports. And um, I think I did enjoy it more, just that feeling of, being able to hit the ball wherever you want. Um, that's what I loved about tennis. Damn, what about T-ball, man? T-ball, yeah. One, <laughs> I mean, T-ball too, you can hit the ball wherever you want. And I was really good at catching. I was like all-rounder in T-ball yeah. and baseball. Won a state championship, was selected for like, I think maybe the national team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess, I can't even remember. It was like when I was 13. So yeah. it was just the decision that was made. And were your parents, like, super supportive? Yeah, my parents were really good. Like, now that I'm retired from the professional tennis, you get to kind of, like, look back at your career 
and um, one of the things I really appreciate and acknowledge is that like my parents they put in a lot of time like they're driving me to all the tournaments on the weekends like staying at the club with me the whole weekend pretty much wasting their weekend just to watch me they're financially supporting me traveling overseas getting coaching Um, so yeah they were very supportive and even when I was like retiring tennis they're like um, yeah like that's your decision you know you gave it your best effort I'm like yeah um, and they still support me in whatever I pursue today like paddle yeah. Um, yeah they helped me out with that <laughs> too like, not again and then they yeah. have to <laughs> go through that whole yeah, thing yeah the whole cycle yeah. again yeah yeah wow that's cool and did at any point like when you first told your parents you wanted to do this professionally mm. were they like a bit skeptical like hey you know it's hard to make a living or like we don't want you to be like very like because it's like a lot of work and it's mm. a lot of like hardship on your body so mm. were they kind of you know on the fence about it um i think their point of view is just like if this is what you like doing then we'll support you Aww. so yeah. um yeah that's that's kind of just how it went um they could see that i loved doing it and i was playing like every day with my friends and it's it was like a transition like you don't all of a sudden be like oh, i want to play professional tennis you know you get like some results in juniors you're like oh it's pretty good maybe i'll go um play some national tournaments you do pretty well in national tournaments and you're like, all right i try my hand at international tournaments yeah. and you, you like keep going and then at one point, I guess, where you make that decision between do I go professional or do I call college route or do I give up um, is when you like finish high school. And so I finished high school and I decided to go down the college route, which was getting really popular at the time. It was kind of new, but I had a couple of older friends that I played tennis with and they were starting to go down the college route, which was, it seemed pretty good. They're like, you get free tuition, um, free accommodation and you get to play really good matches mm. and you get to get a degree at the end of it rather than just going professional you yeah. don't really have like a fallbacks yeah fallback system yeah that's cool so at that point in time when you decided to pursue it you already was you sort of had like a plan b kind of thing yeah i guess yeah. so yeah going to college was um the plan b like getting a degree um, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And so how did you choose what you wanted to major in? Um, <laughs> so I still didn't really know what I wanted to do um, after high school, even after the personality yeah. um, career <laughs> stuff. So I think I just chose business because business is just like the generic. overarching, the generic one. And I was like, oh, maybe I like specialise. Um, my dad's in business. Um, so I decided to do business just because... Yeah. It seemed like easier. A lot of um, student athletes also chose business. <laughs> and I was like, all right, we'll see. We'll start there and we'll go from there. Yeah, that's cool. And what did you sort of end up majoring in business? Um, yeah, so business with a concentration entrepreneurship is oh. the um, major that I received from um, Cal Poly, which is the university I, the second university I went into in America after I transferred from the first one. So got my four-year degree from that. Um, and yeah, I think it's like a Bachelor of Science is the actual um, oh, thing for some reason. Thing. Yeah, I don't know why it's yeah, science. Yeah, it's weird. Though. Yeah, it is. Wow. Yeah, and speaking of entrepreneurship, that's your sort of like, I guess, third career that you've sort of, you know, dabbled in. Mm, so yeah. yeah, tell me more about like, you know, why, why entrepreneurship? 
Because it sounds like, you know, you, your fallback plan was business and then you majored in something that was pretty risky. So mm. it's kind of like a pretty risky fallback, no? Yeah, no, entrepreneurship, um, it's always kind of, yeah, it's been like a pas- passion hobby of mine, something that's um, piqued my interest. I think it's just being able to work for yourself, having that flexibility of pursuing whatever you want to. Um, and I was just kind of like hooked by that when you get a glimpse into um, some actual businesses that your friends have worked in, your friends have started, um, professors have told you about, they bring in guest speakers. Yeah. And it's just like, wow, like this is a completely different life than working in the corporate. So, um, yeah, that was an interest of mine and um, I've uh, been involved in a couple um, startup companies, some of them my own, some of them other people's. Um, yeah, right now it's just full KPMG though, but a um, <laughs> couple, couple years ago, actually just, just over a year ago, um, I was doing my own venture. Yeah, that's awesome. So let's talk mm. more about that third career. So what was your first internship in startups? And I guess you sort of had that expectations versus reality. So mm. was it as cool as you thought it was? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. My first um, internship was at this company called Restoration Packaging. Um, and that was in California and it started as a subject uh, within my business degree. You had to go uh, yeah. work as a startup. So a bunch of these startups came, they pitched their ideas um, and then you had to pretty much go do some work experience then for them for a term to get the credit for that class. <laughs> um, so a bunch of um, startups pitched, pitched their idea and the one that stood out to me was this company that they would create packaging I'm talking about like packaging for like restaurants, whether it be like forks, knives, containers, um, oh, anything like, like the that. More kind of side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the difference with this was that um, these cutlery were made out of like um, recyclable um, material. I think it was made out of glucose or something, um, but it wasn't plastic, so yeah. they would biodegrade. Um, and for each product sold, um, they'd plant a plant in a local oh, um, environment, which is pretty cool. But it's not how that started out. The actual idea, which was um, put on Kickstarter and raised a whole bunch of money, was that these packages um, that may be made out of like some sort of paper, and within the paper there'd be a seed. And so you'd finish your coffee cup or whatever, and then you could like throw it just in the soil, and then a plant. Grow. Yeah, and then a plant would grow. But um, they had to pivot because um, there was that issue of like non-native um, plants being planted where they shouldn't be. <laughs> um, so yeah, so instead they'd make the packaging and then they'd ha- go um, to like restoration sites and um, just go plant a bunch of trees, flowers, um, whatever was native to that area. And when I joined, um, well, actually, it was after I did the work internship, the guy offered me to like come on as like a as a member. Um, I I actually couldn't because I was getting I was going back to Australia. I was I was graduating, but I kind of oh, wow. yeah I kind of regret it because that would have been like a great opportunity to be part of like a full startup um, and an opportunity to stay and live in America. But my visa was ending and. Um, you'd get deported if yeah. you, anyway, so yeah. Oh, okay, that's interesting. So pretty much your internship was at the end of your degree, so you're like last semester. Yeah, and that was the first um, proper work I'd ever done. Before yeah. that, I was just tennis, tennis, tennis. Um, yeah. So 
yeah, it was, it was a good experience. Yeah, that's cool. And how does sort of like your timeline with tennis and startups sort of happen? So throughout like college, probably from year one to like the last year, you're all fully focused on tennis. And when do you sort of like, quotes like, like retire and then mm. ease into startups? Because I guess it was tennis, startups, KPMG, paddle, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much the timeline. Um, so yeah, it was tennis and the first two years of college was like tennis, like yes, um, still want to go professional, check what I can do on the professional scene. Um, but after realizing, you know, I have some issues in my body and I'm probably not that good enough to be top 100 in the world, um, I started looking at, okay, maybe I can use my degree to get a job. So it was like the fourth year when I got that um, internship work experience with that um, environmental company. That's kind of when it started. Um, after that, when I graduated in 2019, just before COVID, Ooh, is yeah. how I remember it. Um, yeah, so it shifted. I think um, I'd stopped tennis then and I didn't play for eight, eight months to a year. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I started focusing on like, looking for a job. But while I was looking for a job, I had this idea um, which was some virtual reality um, software stuff. I'm sure we'll get into it. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I started that. Um, that was developed a little bit and then I got this offer at KPMG and decided to take this offer from KPMG. Yeah, mm. wow, so many opportunities along the way, man. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so tell me, um, so you, um, I just want to first probably talk about it all in chronological order, mm. so let's go tennis. So you land in the States and you think this is, you know, this is the beginning of your dream. Mm. And so what was that sort of maybe, I guess, was, there wasn't like, Australia is not too different from America. Um, so how was the sort of like culture shock if there was any or any sort of things that, you know, you were quite young at the time. And yeah. Fresh eyed and... Yeah, I was 17. So yeah. 17 when I moved away just by myself, didn't, yeah. know, didn't know anyone. Um, rock up and I mean yeah America's like pretty similar to Australia but there's small differences like um, if you watch the movies like American Pie it's, <laughs> it's pretty much exactly the same so you got your fraternities and you got your sororities wow. um, so there's parties like every night of the week like if, if you wanted you could go Monday to Sunday just like parties bars wow um, and and then, that's your vibe at the time? Like, no, <laughs> this is not my vibe. I mean, even if it was, the coach, if coach found, found out that you're like partying every night, he'd probably just cut your scholarship and be like, you're not here yeah. for the right reasons. Yeah. We're paying you to play tennis. See you later. Yeah. Um, but no, that wasn't my vibe. Um, sports was my vibe and it was, you, had to, you had to train 35 hours a week. Mm. Um, so you're training 35 hours a week. You're traveling every couple of weeks. Um, to go play other schools, so you're missing classes, you're missing tests that you then have to catch up, um, and then you're a full-time student as well. So it's like it, there's a lot going on, and then you want to like make the most out of your social life. You're never going to be in a situation where there's like 24,000 students just within in a small campus, all the same age. Yeah. So you're trying to make the most out of that. Um, so time management is a big one, which is kind of why I think my time management skills are so good right now as I did five years of that. Um, sports is a huge thing in America, like everyone gets behind their sports. They're like yeah. wearing their like high school basketball jersey like to class. And the first thing, when it's so weird, like Americans, like when they start talking to each other and they meet each other, 
literally the second sentence is, oh, um, where are you from? And it's like, what suburb in which state are you from? They're very, they're very, um, uh, like where they're from matters a lot yeah. to them. Whereas in Australia, it's like, oh, you're from Melbourne? Oh, that's cool. And that might come up like in the third, fourth conversation. Um, and the classes, the classes, I think it's marked easier. The grading system is a bit oh, different. Oh, hello. Now we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Worth moving for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you look at it, like an A is 100% to 90%, so it's quite tough. Yeah. Um, but I think they mark it like more leniently yeah. than Australia. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And tell me more about the time management. So how did you, what was your sort of a study system? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, my whole time, I don't think I worked, I, I didn't study past 11 p.m. Okay. Solid. In my life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's some guys that are, you know, studying till like 4 a.m. Yeah. Right. Have to wake up at practice for 6 a.m. Um, and then okay. that's their routine and they don't have um, much social life. I think for me, um, just what what I found work was getting back. So my routine was you go early morning training from like 7.30 to 9.30, you then have classes, you go see the physio, you maybe finish up at like 2, 2 p.m., 5 p.m., depending on um, the day, your schedule. And then the best thing for me was just going straight to the study, yeah. straight to the study, study for like, three hours, I'd never like work in front of the class. Like, you know how professors always say, oh, read ahead for the next class. Yeah, yeah. Never did that. <laughs> um, so yeah, you just put, put some time aside, do some study, figure out a system that works for you like effectively and study like, how do you learn best? Are you a visual learner? Are you like, do you have to write it out to remember it? Do you like highlighting things? Find what works for you. Um, and what and were you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm like a visual learner, but also I had to write it out if I wanted yeah. to remember. Um, like, and I had a pretty good short-term memory, so I could remember um, <laughs> things when I needed to. But if you asked me like a week later after yeah. the test, I'd pretty much like forget, forget it all. Um, so, so yeah, I think time management for me, it also it comes more natural in some people. Like, I've yeah. never. Um, stress like plays a big role into how you can remember things too, and I'd never really felt stressed. Oh, so, um, really dig into that. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think I have like some weird ability to not be able to feel stressed. Um, so yeah, it's just like it just came easy to me compared to some other people who like really struggle to um, juggle all the things happening in college. Yeah. Talk to me about procrastination. So like once you've like had like a really, you know, rigorous tennis sesh, mm. like the last thing you want to do is study, right? Huh. But you seem like you like flip from one task to another. It's just like study mode. You don't even need that kind of break, no? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, after training, usually like pretty exhausted. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember like, well, actually, well, because classes you'd have training and then classes and then you go to study. So like, yeah. I guess the classes, you <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I didn't, yeah, that's your rest period. You know, <laughs> you're like replenishing your energy, you're having lunch, yeah. um, maybe like dozing off a little bit in class. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, by the time you get home, um, you feel like mentally kind of like fresh and physically, you're all right. You get used to it. Like three weeks, I feel like is the, 
Um, it's like if you're going to build a new habit, it takes about three weeks. So if you're training really hard for three weeks, after the third week, you be like, oh, this is easy. This is like pretty normal. And you get in that routine. And so when you're like studying, you're like, all right, I feel pretty fresh, pretty good. Yeah. And so still pretty fresh after four or five years of this? Uh-huh. Did, you, did you start to hate it? Uh, yeah, my tennis, yeah, my tennis, like I, got, I definitely got burnt out. Um, yeah. The last coach, he was a bit, um, he was a bit of a hard ass and um, didn't make me, yeah, he made me almost hate it. Like I didn't love it anymore. I didn't have that love for it. Um, so yeah, I was definitely burnt out, which is why then I took that year off. I just, I just didn't really want to play tennis at all. Yeah. 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 And tell me, how did you sort of deal with like difficult coaches and how do you remain calm and not stressed if that still was a thing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, me like staying calm and stressed, I think that's what um, some coaches didn't like actually. Oh. Um, for example, the one, the one coach, my last coach, um, <laughs> He, when you, when you won a point, he really wanted you to like show emotion and like fire up. Yeah. And just like shout out to the, to the boys who were playing on courts next to you. Um, but myself being like a relaxed, um, laid back <laughs> personality, I was like, I couldn't really do that. Like I couldn't really force myself to um, like show this like fake emotion because yeah. I'd trained my whole like career just to be like mentally even and like emotionally stable on the court. And then to all of a sudden like try change and do something that's like not you, I just couldn't do it. And I think like um, he definitely got angry at that. Yeah. He's like, I need you to show more. And I just I just couldn't, like it was just not within me. Um, and so yeah, he'd get angry and um, like some examples, like just like yelling in your face, like here, spitting on you, breaking your equipment, other yeah. people's equipment, threatening to um, like, cut your scholarship and send you back to Australia um, and just like playing mind games like it's telling you or maybe you're autistic like you should go get tested Um, and just so self-deprecating man yeah um, the whole the whole system there there's a lot of like coaches like that like the old school like super tough like hard asses is what what you call them um, that don't really understand like the difference between generations and how they best respond to stuff I mean, maybe back in the day, some people yeah, would respond worked. to that. Get the whip out. Yeah, there's other ways to breed toughness than just like physically punishing and threatening people yeah. like that. Um, but some of the ways you just deal with it is just, um, I mean, what, what can you do? You just like nod your head, pretend like you agree with them and do what they ask to a point where you like feel comfortable um, and then just go about your business like right there they have like they have all the control they can cut your scholarship for pretty much no reason even if they don't like you and then you're just like there with half a degree and you're like well what do i do now you don't you don't really have any power whatsoever that's crazy and what about for other students it was more or less the same or was was it like that some coaches were you know particularly i guess cruel to you or um yeah so like i mean there there have been other stories where like players have been treated really badly um but it's not it's not all players you know um yeah yeah, the coaches will like some players you know um yeah it just really depends but there's a lot there's a lot of bad coaches and you hear some like pretty bad stories like my other friend 
he went to college on a full scholarship, so everything was paid for. And when he got there, I guess maybe the pressure or the, just a different environment, being away from home, but he couldn't really like win a match. And he was, he was recruited to go play number one and be the best player. But he was playing like at the bottom and oh. not winning. Yeah. Right? And so the coaches, it's a business for them. They've, they've given this guy like $400,000. He's not giving them, yeah, he's not delivering the results. So what can we do? Um, within the contracts, they say you're not allowed to cut um, scholarships because of like someone not performing, but they do it all the time. Yeah. So what they did, they cut this guy's scholarship. Um, he had to go back to Australia. They said, oh, it's because he wasn't listening to coaches' instructions. But I was yeah. there at college with him, and he was listening. Like he was trying everything to like try win matches. Um, they just gave that like bull, bull. Um, you know, idea. Yeah, they can and say then, anything they want, right? Yeah. There's very little sort of people yeah. to... They should have brought Dom in, like, hey, man, like, my friend was listening. Yeah. You know, he was trying. Yeah, no, but there's not, not much that I could do either because I'm, I'm just another number. I don't have much power. But yeah, they'll I cut think, your scholarship too. Goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you got to be careful. Um, I think he ended up trying to sue the college or the coaches. Yeah. Um, not actually sure the result of that, but, yeah, it was... Like quite messy. So, yeah. so how did stories. you survive, Dom? Oh, I barely got through at yeah. the end. At the end, yeah, I was very, very close to get my scholarship cut. Like there were threats um, happening, but that was only because in my last year, I wasn't winning as much as my uh, year before. The year before, I had insane year. Like I think it was the second best uh, record in history, and so I was winning every single match. Like so playing number two, and then the next year. Um, Sometimes it happens, it's pretty rare, but um, you just like struggle, like season to season. And yeah. so I was struggling maybe because it was a change of racket. Um, maybe it's my last year, I'm like, oh, maybe yeah. I'm just gonna chill, like I don't wanna go professional anymore. But um, yeah, just wasn't winning the matches. And for the coaches, it's a business. So if you're not winning, they're not gonna like you. Yeah. When you're winning, everything's all good. When you're losing, it's just a completely different story. Yeah, oh, that is so sucky. Mm. Yeah, so tell me some of the highlights. Oh, the highlights. Yeah, yeah, yeah much. you know, tournaments that you've played in, like times that you remember. Yeah, um, some of the highlights is I won nationals with um, my partner at the time, Max Purcell. Now he's the current Wimbledon doubles champion. So he's like, he'll go down in history, like his name's carved into Wimbledon. Um, probably like what a lot of people say, the greatest tournament of all time is. Um, me and him won nationals at 16s, so that's, that's a pretty big deal, with like best people in the country. Um, also won a doubles title with Alex Diviner, who's number 20 in the world right now. Wow. So he's, he's making millions of dollars. He's sponsored by, you know, all the big brands. Um, so those are some highlights. And then um, I just remember like winning a couple matches that meant like a lot to me. Um, as a junior as well, and and in college, like a couple of matches that you really remember for some reason it was special, you know maybe you played really well, you executed on something you've been working on, um, yeah. So there's there's some good highlights there, and um, yeah. Yeah, and do you ever find that like your sort of self worth was tied to whether or not you won or lost? Hmm, that's a deep question. Um, because like the whole world is judging you, like your coaches 
yeah. how they treat you depends on this. And it's so hard to not internalize it. Mm. No, that is true. Um, I think... I think I think that is a thing, actually, yeah, because I think the guys in my team who weren't doing so well, um, you, their confidence kind of reflects it yeah. and how they carry themselves. Like, their ego just gets smaller and smaller. And for athletes, ego is a, is a massive thing. It's how other people perceive you. It's how you perceive yourself. And to be really good at a sport, like, you do have to be selfish and have a massive ego. Yeah. And when you're not winning, your ego deflates, and it's kind of it kind of does tie back to your self worth because, again, it's a business. Your self worth, if you're winning, is really high. If you're losing, it's really low. Um, but some people feel that pressure more than others. I didn't. I've always felt like I was just playing for myself, um, which is why I didn't really feel the pressure. But some people feel like they're playing for the whole team. They're yeah. playing to keep their scholarship, like they don't want to let down anyone else, let down their coach. Um, and I think those are the people that like, really struggle because it's just like so much pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And let's talk about like, how do you deal with the bad days? What's your de-stressor? Because usually like, you know, if people, they would just say a sports, but when your career is the sport, then surely you don't hit a few balls to de-stress, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, sometimes you actually do. <laughs> yeah, just without, no. you know, just without like any results, you just go out there. Yeah, and, um, smack it against the wall or something. <laughs> hit, yeah, hit some balls, take your anger out, just like kind of relax. Um, yeah. No, that's a good question. On the bad days, yeah. you don't really get a chance to have a bad day because like you have, to, you have to train 35 hours a week like it's in your contract. And so that means you're practicing every day. So you get to practice no matter what. If you're feeling like not too good, if you're like a little bit injured, that's the other thing. They make you play when you're injured. They don't really care about your um, well-being. Um, So yeah, you can't can't really afford any bad days. If you're hungover, still get to play. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wow, but sounds like you sort of copped it well, man. Like. Yeah, no, I learned a lot of like a lot of lessons because you're you're in this situation that's um, you know quite difficult to deal with, especially like being there by yourself at such a young age. Yeah, um, so vulnerable, man. Yeah, you learn a lot of things really quickly because you kind of forced to. Yeah. Um, but it was a great experience. <laughs> like I'm not hating on it or anything. Like it was an amazing experience and um, the good times, like the memories of just bonding with your teammates. Um, that's probably one of the best things like now I have friends from like France, Spain, Argentina yeah. who are in my team um, and you go through that like tough training together and you know dealing with the bad days, bad losses, high, the high highs, the good wins and you just like become really close. Yeah, um, it's just a package deal. Yeah, it is. You get the good but you also get the bad. But the bad is so bad but the good is so good. Yeah, the good still outweighs the bad so I'd recommend that in, anyone like should go to college. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Last thing on the bad. So <laughs> physical damage to the body, was mm. it worth it? Do you, want, do you want to tell the audience? I've heard, like, when I, when I listened to your speech, I was like, wow, that is shocking. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I got a lot of injuries. So I got um, hip impingements, which, um, I mean, your femur, when your femur is bigger than the actual socket, um, it grinds away, like, the cartilage and the ligaments. So I got those in both hips. I got degeneration, dehydration, bulging discs in my lower back. Um, I got some scoliosis in my upper back. Um, 
had a broken knee, have a couple torn ligaments in my left ankle. Um, that one's actually not from tennis, that one's from soccer. Um, but <laughs> the rest, um, not sure, like with the issue with my back, the doctor was like, um, you have a body of a seven-year-old, like you don't want to see this type of back. And you were like, like 25? I was 16, actually. Oh, shoot. Yeah. That, was, that was before you went to America? Yeah, so I had that issue going into America and I had to like not tell the coaches about this issue. Um, because otherwise they'd be like, why would we want this guy with yeah. this back issue? You know, why are we going to give him like $400,000? So I kind of had to hide that and try work on it. What would happen is that um, uh, every now and again I'd do a certain movement and then I'd pretty much be paralysed because my back would spasm yeah. to try protect all the structural damage. Yeah. And then for a week I just couldn't do anything, couldn't put my socks on, uh, yeah. couldn't get in the car. Um, and that was happening from when I was 16 to um, when I was 22. And it was, it was pretty funny. It was actually the first match we were meant to play at my second college. So I'd got given a big scholarship. I'd gone there, done training. And the day before my back goes, and I'm like, coach, like, I can't play. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, my back's gone. I can barely move. He's like, you didn't tell me about this, blah, blah, blah. Like, you're going to have to play. I was like, no, 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 like I can't play, it's not good. Uh, I can barely move. Um, anyway, I didn't play, but he was like, no, nah, that's like, that's really bad. So I was on a, I was a <laughs> bad night to start off. But um, I managed to sort out the issue. Um, I was, uh, in college, you get free physio, yeah. free physio. So I'd go to the physio every day for like an hour between classes. And we're working on strengthening my abs, um, strengthening my glutes, um, and doing yoga. And for six months, I was spending like an hour and a half doing rehab every day. Nothing, no improvement, no improvement. And then all of a sudden, something kind of clicked and I kind of bent over and I was like, yeah. holy shit. Yeah, I can wow. actually like, this is how a normal back's meant to be. I can go down without any pain. I can sit down without any pain. Um, and I, that was just amazing. And I was like, wow, I'd give up like, all my memories and everything just to have this normal back. And so from the time I was 22 to 25 now, um, I had to do like a lot of maintenance and rehab just to maintain this healthy feeling back. Although I do have a lot of structural damage, you can you can do stuff to make it feel better. So I still play tennis, I play paddle, I surf, um, I play like volleyball, all sorts of sport and no issues. You just learn to understand your body, um, figure out how you can maintain and stay injury free and yeah same thing with my hips like I figured out um, how to solve my hip issue um, knee issue back issue yeah. um, the important thing is to get multiple opinions because doctors and physios they don't know everything yeah. so many times I've been like misdiagnosed or told you should never play sport again like that doctor when I saw him when I was 16 yeah. he said don't ever play sport again like quit tennis quit everything you're doing and um, if I listened to him, um, like, yeah. what would I be doing now? Now I'm just like lying in bed, like with chronic back pain. Yeah. It's just, yeah, they don't know everything. So get second opinions, um, do your research and yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Damn, that is such a big risk to go to America by yourself with that. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> yeah. The thing is it wouldn't happen every time. It was, I got to a point where it was like happening once every three months. Um, so like, okay, like maybe I can get away with it. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, but it's kind of like a ticking time bomb. You're just like, man, I've had a good back for two months. I'm so sick. Yeah, it's about, it's about to happen. Um, yeah, so yeah, I kind of like risked it there. And um, yeah, I guess I risked it getting worse because I didn't, I understood what it was, but didn't really know how to fix it. Um, yeah, just uh, risked it all, but managed to solve it out and everything's good yeah, now. So good. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it feels so good to be able to just sit down with no pain, put your socks on. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So other, other than the first time you had to skip that match, was there any other times you had to skip it because of the back or it just didn't pop up at the big tournament times? No, I think there were a couple matches I had to miss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then in my final year, I didn't have to miss any because at that time, like, I'd, I'd okay. solved it. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of cool because, yeah, because I don't know, I wondered if you weren't like, you know, pursuing professional tennis at the time, if you would have actually gone to the measure to find a way to fix the back mm. because normal office jobs, whatnot, you might not actually have had that motivation to yeah. maybe tennis caused the back pain, maybe, and maybe it also fixed it. Yeah, I don't know like what caused it. Could It could have been I was born with it or it could have yeah. been um, when I was like 12 or even younger, the tennis coaches they had me in the gym like lifting heavy like heavy weights and you're not meant to when you're growing right so yeah. um, and there wasn't really any rehab program like recover like stretching yeah. it should have so that that could have definitely caused it we just don't know all I know is like I have it now so I've got to deal with it um, but yeah like you said before it could have caused it and then it could have could have solved it yeah Cool, nice. Yeah. And now we want to talk about startups. Yeah. So you missed that awesome opportunity to stay in America. Mm, yes. Yeah. So how did you, how did you, that's like a really important decision point. So how did you decide if you wanted to, you know, stay and be a member or to come back to Australia? Um, I called my dad. I think, I think I called my dad with every like um, important decision. I trust him a lot. Um, I called him. Um, I think the final decision was that I was actually kind of like missing, missing home and missing my family. Um, so I'd come back for maybe three months and just kind of like assess to see how I'm feeling then. Um, and so that's what I did. Um, I think I ended up missing America and I did, I did want to live there. Um, but then after a while being in Australia, I was like, you know what, this isn't bad. Like maybe, maybe I do want to live here. Um, so yeah, that um, situation kind of passed me by. Um, I was involved in my own startup, mm. actually. Um, so I attended, I had this kind of ideas also with the help of my mum. And it was an issue that I'd struggled with not knowing what to study in college. And yeah. I know a lot of high schoolers, they finish high school and they're like, well, what should I go study now? What should I pursue for the rest of my life? And not many of them know because you don't have many opportunities to do work experience. And so I had this idea that um, maybe we could use virtual reality to create um, virtual job shadows. And so you'd put on a headset and you yeah. can like experience a day in the life of a mechanical engineer or a consultant. Um, so I had this idea and I attended a startup weekend where Oh, yeah, um, nice. You kind of pitch your ideas again, and then if someone likes your idea, um, you form teams. So that long weekend, um, my idea was one of the good ones. So formed a team, and we created. We did as much as we could in three days, and then you present to a judge, uh, a judging panel, and they like vote like what are the best ideas, the most plausible, 
um, and we got like a special recognition prize then. Mm, lovely. After that, um, I pursued it by myself. So everyone else, they had their own responsibilities and I was like, all right, I'm going to pursue this myself. So um, I, we hadn't done anything in virtual reality then. It was just uh, videos. Um, so I created a video of what I thought the experience should look like. I hired a guy on Airtasker or something to do that. Yeah. And then I had that. So as I had this vision, um, I didn't have any coding skills. I didn't know how to, where to start with virtual reality. So like, what do I do? Um, so I reached out to professors um, in colleges who were like studying or teaching, you know, like design, um, software, engineering, programming, uh, virtual reality stuff. And I was like, do you have any students who'd be willing Free to do labor. some... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good, it's good. Yeah, but they get a bit of work experience, you yeah, know? It's like, a, yeah, it's like, it works for them, it works for yeah, you. Yeah, it's like kind of a win-win and then if the company does go well and it grows, like you bring them on, you can give them a salary and stuff. Yeah. Um, and it got a couple of people who ended up working for me and they were creating the um, virtual reality, like um, through like all, all the code and design. And I was just kind of the business crunching the numbers, creating how I believe the virtual reality would, should look. Um, and we worked on that for, I think, a year and a half. And we got to a stage where it was on the headset and we'd then take it to um, high schools and we show it to career counsellors and to students. And we'd get their feedback. And then we'd get their feedback, um, you know, sort it nicely so we get the understandings from it. And then make the demo even better yeah um, and we got to a point where um like some career counselors were like this is really good like i'll purchase this um and then i got this job offer from kpmg and i was like that was a, that was another really tough decision and i asked my dad yeah. um and dad was like um yeah like up to you maybe like the positives of working at kpmg you know obviously it's a big company you get to actually see for the first time how a big company operates yeah. um, and what they do so you could learn from that and then you also have KPMG behind your name if you want to start another company in the future yeah. like investors and stuff look look uh, favorably on that um, so I made the tough decision to um, kind of like put the virtual reality on hold and then I moved from Perth to Brisbane yeah. <laughs> um, to start at KPMG a year a year and a half ago Wow, and tell me, so at that time, how did you get the offer? Were you applying at the same time as like a safety net? Or? Yeah, yeah, I was applying at the same time. I was kind of just like assessing my options um, yeah. just to see and then, yeah, got this offer um, through a contracting company actually, which yeah. is some contractor at KPMG. Yeah, so were you, at that time, were you like a little bit worried if this thing fell through? So you're like, hey man, like maybe like I would need a job if like, you know, this startup doesn't work. Yeah, you, yeah. I think like all startups do have like doubts, you know, whether whether it's gonna you know be successful or not. Um, with it being my first kind of like venture outside of high school, uh, college, and not having any experience other than tennis and coaching, I was like, All right, maybe I should go get some proper like real world experience yeah. before I try run my own company, but. Um, I, I don't know, there's like regrets there because it was going well, we were getting momentum yeah. um, and if I wanted to, like I could take it back up, um, it's on hold, I got the software on my virtual reality headset at home, 
Um, yeah, it's just, yeah, it was a tough decision. Could you have done both at the time? Well, under, from my understanding of working in a big four, I knew it's like <laughs> there's going to be some heavy hours. Um, so, yeah, maybe, maybe if I wanted to sacrifice some weekends, um, but I put it on hold because like traveling to a different state by yourself, you know, you, you want to get settled in. Yeah. Um, not too too much too soon. Yeah, mm. that's cool. And speaking of big four, <laughs> and then also not having much time, paddle champion. Yes. So has like, yeah, you know, surely you could have switched out your time playing paddle. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. VR, but yeah. Yeah, I decided. Um, I decided um, to pursue. Well, not even pursue the paddle. I was just playing paddle as a kind of hobby um, yeah. a couple of years ago. Like one of my friends, tennis friends, he's like, just come play some paddle, you know? And I played for the first time, I was like hooked. I was like, yeah. this is this is so good. You, It's like tennis, but it's like not tennis. You get to play it off the walls. I'm like, wow, like, you know, I'm good, but there's so much to learn. And I was just hooked. And so I was just playing for a hobby for like a year and a half. And this is before um, KPMG. Even when I did move to Brisbane and started working at KPMG, I just played as a hobby once a week down on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Um, and then it was only a couple of months ago um, I found out that you can play for Australia. There's an Australian team that goes plays in the World Cup Championships every couple of years, and it's the best eight men and eight women. And I was like, all right, like maybe rather than it being a hobby, maybe I can like pursue yeah. this a bit more. Um, and so that's kind of what I did. I went to the trials, which was hosted in Sydney, and like I won the trials there, which Amazing. kind of guaranteed my spot. And then, uh, yeah, I got to go over and compete for Australia for paddle. So I guess it's a bit more of a hobby now, and um, it's something that I kind of fit in during work. I did miss some work time to go play in Egypt. Um, yeah. <laughs> good excuse. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a good excuse. All over brekkie news, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, and it was pretty cool. KPMG like helped um, like cover some of the costs for that as well. So um, it's a great company to work for. Yeah, that's cool. Mm. And at the time, like, you know, before you decided to like, you know, go for the trial in Sydney, was that like, you know, was this, this voice in the back of your mind like, hey, do I really want to do this again? Because you've seen that like, when you turn your hobby into, I guess, like a career, it mm. can really add a lot of pressure to something that you love. Mm. Yeah, um, at that point, I'd, I'd, uh, I started to really miss like competing at a high level. Yeah. Um, yeah, like as an athlete, that's kind of what you miss most about um, competition is just that feeling of being in the moment. You just try trying everything you can do to win. And yeah. then when you win, it's just like, like an amazing feeling and so you kind of miss like giving a hundred percent and trying your hardest and doing all the things on the side like gym and running to give yourself that best thing so like I kind of miss that so paddle gave me like an opportunity to reinvigorate myself there and gave me some more motivation to keep going to the gym and to go running like early yeah. morning before work and I was like no this is this is great like you know this is yeah. This is what I've been like missing the last couple of years. Um, so yeah, it was, um, it was really good. And I, I still play um, after the after Egypt. Um, the only thing is like, <laughs> it's gonna sound like pretty bad, but I didn't want to 
get so good that I couldn't play with anyone else in Australia. Like everyone, <laughs> everyone wouldn't be on that level anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's still pretty fun. Pretty lonely at the top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the saying is, yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah, but that's pretty cool. You still have that like, you know, self-confidence, huh? Yeah. Didn't get, didn't get broken down in America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every, every athlete, like, and every world champ um, has to have like, a big ego yeah and the, the the world champs they have to have a big ego but they also just have to have something like mentally wrong with them because it's, yeah. like, it's it's like impossible to give a hundred percent every day no matter whether you're sick you don't feel like doing it you just have to be like mentally different and yeah. um there's i reckon there's only like one percent of the population who can do that or you got to be just ridiculously talented which is even smaller population yeah. um but yeah like yeah, what can yeah, I say? That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> cool, nice. We're rounding up the final questions. Mm. So, yeah, Dom, like, you know, looking back at, like, three different careers, you know, would you have, like, done anything differently? Or would you have, like, decided, like, hey, it might have just been easier if I, you know, skipped the tennis stuff and just went to paddle and then, you know, hmm. or, like, you know, you know, you know, just went straight to corporate rather than doing the startups? And yeah, no, that's a really good question. I feel like... Paddle is my sport, and if I'd played that since I was yeah. three years old, like I reckon I could be one of the best in the world. It just kind of suits um, the attributes that I have. Um, so that's that's one regret. But the thing is, paddle didn't <laughs> exist in Australia until six years ago. Yeah, so yeah. So I could have done. I could have born at the wrong time, man. Yeah, and really wrong country. Yeah, I could have been. Yeah. I could like if 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 they'd moved to Spain rather than Australia from South Africa, maybe. Yeah. Um, there's also the, like the phenomenon that, you know, because you have a backup plan by going to college rather than pursuing tennis full time as a professional, yeah. um, you, that you kind of like rationalize it and you're not as committed because you, you know, yeah. you, when you, you know have to make safe. it. Yeah. yeah. When you know you're safe. So, um, sometimes I think about that, like, should I have just gone straight professional and had no education and just like pursued that, um, like it was my life. Yeah. Um, other regret is just um, mm, listening to coach. Oh, there's good and bad. Like listening to coaches is good. Like that's how you improve. But some coaches they don't know anything. Just like doctors. So yeah. maybe like lifting heavy weights when I was 12 years old um, <laughs> was, was not the best thing because <laughs> you want to prioritize your wellness and health over anything. Yeah. So if if I had a bad back now and whole bunch of injuries that I couldn't handle like I would I would sacrifice like everything just to like have a good back so that's why I like prioritize your wellness over everything so um, I mean I do have these injuries now and I can maintain them but I just don't know what the situation will be like when I'm 50 if it's going to like really be yeah. affecting me um, so I just wish I paid more attention to recovery and you know yeah. what you should be doing when you're younger yeah yeah, that's true. Cool. Also, I want to ask, what do you think the meaning of life is, in your opinion? Um, meaning of life. Um, so I think you got to look at like yourself. Like this is your life. So for me, um, it's improving on you. You know, being better every day, working on the things you want to work on, um, which gives you self satisfaction, and then just leaving the earth in a better place than when you started whether that be like environmental um leaving some sort of legacy like a company or yeah yeah 
Yeah, that's cool. And so, Dom, if you won the lottery tomorrow and finances were not a concern, what would you do differently about your life? Um, I'd go and move to the ocean, maybe San Diego, maybe Seychelles, somewhere where you get, could get just waves every day, any day. And I'd buy a house there that just overlooks the beach um, right. and surf every day. Yeah. <laughs> surf every day and have no worries about anything else. Yeah, that'd Still be, do paddle? That'd be the dream. Oh yeah, I'd build uh, a paddle court in my backyard for yeah. sure. Um, paddle court in the backyard and maybe like donate like the rest to help the environment. Oh, that's amazing. Mm. So, final question is, what's an ideal day in the life for you? It can be work-related, it can be non-work-related. What kind of activities would you fulfill? Um, I guess the surfing, the paddle, <laughs> yeah. anything else? Yeah, so wake up, sleep in, of course. Yeah. Um, go for a surf, like three-hour surf, just oh, till, you're, till you're knackered. Yeah. Um, get out and have a fish and chips, I reckon. Fish and chip <laughs> feed after a surf is just yeah. Um, chill out, maybe a cheeky afternoon nap. Yes. Um, play some paddle with your full best mates. Uh, and then just in, in the evening, maybe watch a movie, just do something low-key with a friend, a girlfriend, or yeah. um, something like that, and just, and just put that on repeat. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be ideal. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I yeah. hope you get to maybe do a little bit of that this weekend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, hopefully, hey. Yeah. yeah, but we're pretty much at the end of the podcast. Do you want to say bye? Mm -hmm. Bye.